monkey. <laughs> Those are the Simpsons. The, the Homer Simpson clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> monkey. <laughs> That's how I talk about Lupin the Third. <laughs> oh. Monkey. Oh goodness. Crazy monkey. Alrighty, in that case. That's how we're gonna start. Just monkey. That's a different one. <laughs> That's how we're gonna start. Monkey, 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 monkey. Oh, well, in that case, welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third <laughs> podcast. A podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order, and this is our weekly reaction series to part six ladies night and tonight we are covering episode 18 fakes attract lies part one i come fully prepared i didn't just whip out my phone to read the episode <laughs> title of the episode i just watched um written by shiguru <laughs> morikoshi morikoshi i can speak and uh, we'll kick off our usual roundtable of discussions. And also, probably a good idea to introduce ourselves to any first-time listeners. Although, be kind of weird if your first time listening is to a review of episode 18 of part 6. But hey, we don't judge here. So my name's Drew. I am the amazing Chris Godby. And I am monkey enthusiast and scholar, Natalie. Oh. Nice to meet you. Oh no, we, we started talking about monkeys earlier, so. <laughs> How can we not? It's the topic of our entire podcast. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> Are you going to edit that out? Yes. <laughs> That's not staying in. <laughs> All right. So well, it's what good. was it? My door alarm things is like ding dong. Uh, door. I think he's got like an ADT or something. Meanwhile, yeah, I have Anubis. Uh, that sounds oddly threatening, but also secure. <laughs> no, is this because I have a big old statue of Anubis on my vanity that's currently cluttered? Oh, like, I thought why, the, why you... <laughs> I thought you had a security system called Anubis, not the actual Anubis. No, I live in an apartment building. Why would I have Why would I have a security system? I have a crackhead right across the street. <laughs> That's probably staying in. That's probably staying in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell yes. Well, while we're on this track, um, Natalie, how did you feel about this week's episode of Part 6? It was interesting, honestly. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. Um, I, I don't want to give it any grief because it is... Um, it is this, the beginning of a two... They said it was a two-parter, right? Yeah, it, um, because mm -hmm. the next part is the conclusion, I guess, to that storyline. Not the overarching storyline, probably. Maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of losing track here, but it was it was interesting. I say that because um, it was a build-up to something, and the ending was very much something out of law and order. Like, I was just waiting um, after what happened to Zenigata. I was literally waiting for, you know... Dun dun! Executive producer Dick Wolf. <laughs> um, but um, I did find the moments with Matea and um, um, Lupin adorable. Also, to comment, to piggyback the comment off our co-host in Switzerland, Guillaume, Lupin does very much look like Guillaume in the wild. 
with the same beanie and sweater and scarf and stubble, though he has more stubble. Um, and also, yeah, the them eating kebabs. But here in America, darling, we call them gyros or, you know, falafel. Kind of makes me want falafel right now. But um, I think what's also interesting for me, well, it has you, to be. If you, if you eat too much of then you're really falafel. Oh, that's true. <laughs> nice. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> um, though, the other thing I did like is also um, the interactions with um, Hazel and Lupin. I thought it very interesting, the dynamic between the two of them. And also, we're back to, because we did talk about this last week with Ian over um, modern technology and Lupin the Third, And it was interesting to me that they went the deep fake routes. Um, I will mention more about this when we talk further into the episode, but more modern technology in Lupin and it doesn't seem far fetched because it is a real reality. So that's all I got to say about it. Also double date Lupin Matea with yada and yada lady. That was cute. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. So Chris, How did you feel about the episode? Just <laughs> I liked it overall, but I think that's probably the best way to put it. Like, but okay, so might as well get my bitching out of the way first. I thought that, like, it was a fairly serious episode, but there were like attempts at humor, like the whole bit about you know Jigen uh, taking care of flowers. I liked that; that was good. <laughs> and you know, like you know, a lot of the. Uh, you know, dialogue was really well done. But, like, every time they tried to go for physical humor, it just fell flat. And I think part of that is due to the animation. Because it's like, like you know, the character designs all look great, but the animation itself I thought was rather subpar. You know, like the whole bit with the, uh, the skateboard chase, that had potential to be exciting and funny. But it was just boring. You know, just really you know, stiff and uninteresting and, uh, or another bit of physical comedy that I didn't think quite worked because it seemed to be confused about whether it was supposed to be funny or not is when the, uh, the USB drive smacks Lupin on the forehead. I thought that was amusing, but then, but like, uh, like the background music and like what happens immediately afterwards made me think that it wasn't supposed to be funny. So yeah, a lot of the uh, physical comedy didn't quite, you know, work for me. And I know this is something I bring up a lot, but they're trying so hard to give Yada and Ari some personality, and it's just not working. It's like it, you know, the whole thing with uh, you know, Matias saying, you know, suggesting that the two of them may be attracted to each other. That just felt really contrived and forced, mm-hmm. and you know, nothing. It didn't feel natural at all. I did. Okay, now about what I did like. <laughs> He can say uh, nice yeah, things. Also, uh, the evil congressman. Is it just me, or did he look like what a live-action Jigen should look like? Yep. Like animated. <laughs> there was that one other guy that looked straight out of um, um, Detective Conan. So. Oh yeah, I that, big, that, too, that yeah. big guy. Yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, but but yeah, when I saw that one congressman, it's like this looks like a live action person playing Jigen, but they animated him, but he's not Jigen. 
but he looks more like Jigen than the actual live action ones we've gotten. Uh, but as for the story itself, I liked it. It was you know, the whole thing with the deep fake and the political intrigue. I didn't mind that. Um, I'm also really, really intrigued by how the uh, how the episode ended with old Pops getting arrested for murder. Like, that's fascinating. I can't wait to see where mm-hmm. that goes. But yeah, it was it was solid. Like, I, I had some had some quibbles and gripes with it, but overall, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Alrighty, so I guess for me... <sighs> I'm at a mostly positive, but still kind of mixed place with this episode. And also, j- just to end on a nicer note, I- I'm, I'm going to take the same approach Chris did and just go ahead and get stuff I want to get out of the way that didn't necessarily land for me. I And I- I'm also going to give this episode the benefit of the doubt because this is very much the first of a two-parter. So I can't be like, ultimately I can't be too hard on it because I don't know where it's going. Like trying to make assumptions about that right now and like solely judging it on that's not a wise idea because who knows how things could change the next go around. It, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I, I shouldn't, but also I'm going to compare it to the first two episodes or like, you know, the first episodes of this specific arc that were incredibly exciting, very intriguing. You know, like, you know, I, I, I wanted to know where it was going, you know, not want to know where it was going, but it, it, it kept me fully engaged from moment to moment. Whereas this one had more lulls in it. And I guess part of that is, in, is lies in the fact that I find Hazel somewhat interesting, but going from, uh, Mercedes, who was, you know, a really trained thief who could go toe to toe with Lupin to a fucking politician who's got minor personality. And also is kind of, there's this whole weird aspect of like her wanting to mine, rare minds and that's like this controversial thing which like seemed like an odd touch because i don't i need to see where her character goes it didn't fully make her sympathetic especially when the opposition party just mentioned like hey that's not good for the environment and she was like ah i'm okay let me put on my lupon brain and put leftist brain over here because like (laughs) certain certain lines first for like ringing alarm bells and i'm like "Mm," but then again this is a it's a cartoon so i'm not gonna get too hung up on it but i don't know the the super realistic you know just repeat to yourself it's just the show i should really just relax exactly hey, wise words indeed but at the same time you know <clears throat> i get where you're coming from not even just from a from the mindset you have politically just from a storytelling aspect the, the whole use of the political character mm-hmm. um I'll get a little bit more into that later, but I understand, mm-hmm. but I'm just letting you know while you talk more about what you enjoyed about it or what yeah. you did enjoy about it. I agree with you there. So. That's a little weird. And I understand why. And like, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it does make me dislike it. Cause I actually like a lot of the episode and that I will get to, but the, 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 the little quibbles I have, like, uh, and this is solely a personal preference thing. And like, sometimes it can work if it's handled well, maybe it will be handled well here because again, it's first of a two parter, but the super realistic political intrigue thriller aspect is not something that necessarily appeals to me in Lupin. It was the same with the Padar arc in part five. Just nothing. I don't know. Okay. But that one had a whole different set of problems. (laughs) 
It did. It did. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It 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 feels like it gets a little too real and self not self serious, but a little too real and I don't want to say self serious. But it's not my favorite tone with Lupin. I know Lupin's explored stuff like this before, like Mystery of Mamo has some critique of American politics and um um. Uh, Oh, what's another one that I'm forgetting? Uh, part four also like touched Castle on. Cali- you know, what was that? Uh, Castle Cagliostro did it. Oh, Ca- Castle well. Cagliostro incorporates um, it to a degree. Well, well, Castle Cagliostro yeah. was more like you know a secularized version of a small but a small country that does influence um, mm-hmm. the world economy with its um, with its counterfeiting skills, but like the more right. political aspects, cause there are a lot of political aspects on Lupin the third, whether mm-hmm. it's with real countries or with fictional ones. I mean, you're right. We have the Padar storyline in part five in part four, you have a lot of the influence of the Italian government and Italian sports, which ironically, cause you know, yesterday was the Super Bowl, and a lot of people have this debate about like, well, sports should not be politicized, but you know, Sports are politicized because it's a um, platform. Any mm-hmm. platform is going to be politicized. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, part two, you have the gang in a lot of episodes where they're in the middle of national conflicts. Again, mm-hmm. the Jigen episode with the with the um, nun Angelica. And, of course, we had that, ooh, that kind of, no, very problematic episode that dealt with the apartheid. Um so yeah, they do have episodes where they put themselves in the middle of political intrigues. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it works out, well, we I think we've already noticed by now that Lupin just wants to make sure that people are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's liberal or conservative, you know, that that's up to your opinion, but we all know where that where that lies on the fault line. <laughs> well, see, uh it this is something that uh Monkey Punch touched on a few times as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like there's one there's one chapter of the uh, original manga series where Lupin has to deal with a uh, politician who is incredibly corrupt, and then uh, one of my favorite stories from Shin Lupin is has to do with Lupin stealing uh, the princess of a nation mm-hmm. and her warlord father. Mm-hmm. You know, going okay, it's a, that's a bit of a different situation, but yeah, you know, um, even if you go back to the very source, you know, this, this thing pops up. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And like, I feel like I need to clarify that in this case, because I mentioned, I brought this up in the discord and I feel like I also got misunderstood there. It's not like the fact that I don't want Lupin to touch political like subjects at all, which is not remotely what I'm saying. It's the fact that like the tone it handles it with when it gets super grounded in the stakes are, I'm a politician and oh no, the deep fakes are going to threaten my political career, my political career, Lupin help. I find that less appealing than, say, Dead or Alive, where there's a, 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 a like you know a revolution brewing against you know a shitty dictator who wants nano machines that turn him into a you know giant final boss, or Mystery of Mamo, where you've got like you know the uh, the political conflict between Mamo and and the very still to this day cutting portrayal of the u.s u.s government's involvement in such affairs you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. you democrat like stuff like that like like (laughs) it's inherent in the source material and i guess my thing is 
I, I, it's not as appealing to me when the stakes are so realistic, if that makes any sense. Not, ah. not them dealing, not them dealing with like political yeah. themes because go like have at it. There's like great satire and commentary to be made, but it's, it, it's when the stakes are this ground level and this realistic, it loses that like cartoony Lupin charm and feels like it's trying to be something that inherit ultimately to me isn't. And like, I also think you know, the franchise should branch out and try new things. And this is like, you know, it's it, I'm, I, what is it's a new thing. Part five did it to a certain degree. But, you know, like th- this one is making it even more grounded. And I do commend them for trying something different. I just don't know if it's something that like it doesn't grab me as much when it's just Lupin trying to save someone's political career because they got deep faked by other people in her party. It's Uh, it's sort of like what you said earlier, you know, on Discord. It's like, you prefer Lupin III to be more Tom and Jerry and less Tom Clancy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I, I I totally get that. And I agree. Yeah. And if folks enjoy the Tom Clancy aspect, like, you know, I ultimately do like the episode because there's a lot to love about it. And I will get to that. Sorry, I'm rambling, but like, I feel like I need to like clarify because like, it's not that I don't Mm -hmm. want, Lupin to touch political issues or anything. I just want to remember to have fun when it's touching those issues. And this one did have some fun, but I, just the stakes in this one episode weren't that th- th- when it's this realistic, it doesn't grab me as much because like th- th- there's no like gleefully over the, like over the top villain. And like, like Chris mentioned, the attempts at comedy were somewhat clumsy but to get to the stuff I did like, the uh, Shigeru Morikoshi's dialogue, the banter between Lupin and Jigen at the beginning about like Jigen saying like you know you got so many flowers you know like now I know that when I, I when I retire I can you know run my own flower shop, and then Lupin gives him that crack at like you know don't like don't give me that like I heard you like murmuring sweet nothings to the flowers while you were watering them and Jigen's like ah oh, didn't good night and like <laughs> throws the, the newspaper on his face. Um, confirmed, <laughs> confirmed. Jigen just likes to garden. We all knew it. <laughs> we all knew it. Um, I'm very intrigued with how uh, Matea is going to factor into all to all this because, like, I thought I for a second was thinking, like, you know, oh, this opening scene where Lupin's is the old man, he's saying goodbye to her one more time, and she's like going on her own way. But when she suddenly shows up in the same country as him. And uh, when he's talking to her, she's also got a uh, newspaper with Hazel's face on it. So she's been keeping tabs on it, too. Like, she's not just going to be, forget the term, but she's not going to be the simple, boring, useless TV special girl of the week. Like, who's just like, Mm -hmm. I found, like, you know, and the true meaning was friendship. No, like, she's actually going to be involved in this somehow with the whole Tomoe thing. And it's really exciting. And I'm actually really curious to see where they, they take her character. And um, the ending of this episode, just in general, with 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 Tomoe, not with Tomoe, with uh, Hazel being I'm, the listener can't see, but I'm doing big air quotes shot. And the air Zinigata, uh, indeed, air bunnies. Uh, Zinigata being framed for it. I am very excited about that because. It, it seems a little off to me that we had this character Hazel, and the only thing Tomoe told her about was how to strive in a political career. Because, like, I, I I'm wondering if this whole thing with Hazel is a big ruse. Because we all know the whole thing with Tomoe is, 
you know, it's, it's never enough to have like, you know, double measures. You must always have triple measures prepared. So like, I think Hazel has something up her sleeve, either that or she's just fucking dead. And like, you know, I'm just talking down my ass, but you know, we'll figure it out. I have a feeling she's dead, but at the same time, you know, it's Lupin. <laughs> you never know. You know who pulled the trigger? Lil- Lily Watson. <laughs> We're not saying this shit again. Do you know who funded the trigger? <laughs> Mama or the dickheads? Okay, lay it on me. Just get it out of your systems. Get it out of your we systems. Are not, we are not going to lay the dickheads on you on air, all right? But again, oh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being too harsh on it because ultimately it like it, it did it, it ended in an interesting place i'm I'm curious to see where this story with hazel goes like is she dead what, what's gonna happen to zenigata he's gonna get out but how's he gonna get out what's going on and um stop trying to make ari and yata happen please oh come on <laughs> yada yada lady it makes sense like, okay so when you say stop trying to make Yada and Ari happen? Do you mean like as a couple or as individuals? I, I, the, the couple thing, like like it it's it. Yada <sighs> needs love. Come on, let him. Needs, you know he, he can't follow first. I mean, I agree, but he can't just follow Zenigata everywhere. This is true. This is true. He, he needs a wife. I mean, he needs kids. Uh, I guess. I guess. I just want Ari to be more than just a romantic interest for Yata. Like, I hope she actually has something more to uh, do because Yata at least has gotten some personality. Because you know, the last two episodes, he's he like, has. you know, and well, see that that's something I was, that's what I was going to point out was that at least it's like you know, for all the shit I gave Yata, he is better in this series than he was in Part Five. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I he actually agree. is given a little bit to do. Yep. Which is more than we can say for poor Ari. Well, the best utilization of him has been so far uh, Prison of the Past. And, um, Agreed. You know, um, they still fully, gotta take your word for it. They fully fleshed, I feel like they fully fleshed him out mm-hmm. in Prison of the Past to make him a little bit more likable for me. Because, again, mm-hmm. I've only, in part five, I felt like he was just such a fucking tool. And I couldn't really understand why there was an appeal to him besides uwu baby um something i'm stealing directly from <laughs> from lauren but i don't know i i i am I'm, I'm with you guys on the whole develop the girl before the, and a little bit more yada before there is such a thing of romance but you know exactly. how the shippers are in the fandom i also have this feeling that like um at least when they were showing their badges i can't remember which episode it was but it showed that Ari might be Latina because I, I I I don't know I need to recheck the screen cap, but like it said that she was from Nicaragua or some other um, southern Southern American country. So it's like mm-hmm. oh, there's a Lat- there's a canon Latina in the Lupin crew for a bit. Can we have more development for her, mm-hmm. especially with a name like Ariadna? No. Yeah, I mean. Well, because I have a cousin named Ariadna, so it's not that mm-hmm. it is a Latina name, but you hear more Latinas with that name than you hear whiteies. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You know, I I understand this is probably a long shot because I did not watch more than part of the first episode. But what were the name of uh, Zenigata's co-stars in that live action series? Oh shit! In the, Zen- um, the Zenigata Kaibu series. Yeah. Oh God! I'll look it's it been up. a hot minute since I've watched it. I mean, I'm pretty sure they are—they're not Yada and Ari, but no, they're not. Because it, it would be kind of neat if they were. 
No, they're they not. Have more, they have more personality than, than <laughs> in the one episode but while I saw. You're, while you're looking at that, Drew, my, my thing about the whole Tom Clancy Lupin versus Tom and Jerry Lupin is very much this... Um, I honestly do not mind the Tom Clancy Lupin. Oh, and another political intrigue with Lupin is definitely everyone's least favorite quite gay film, Jigen's Gravestone. Because um, you know, think that was my favorite. There's some people who just aren't very like egregious about it. <laughs> okay, um, look, the Freud bot is definitely a. I mean, uh, everything else is great it, except it, for the BDSM yeah. club. Um, but right. everything else is like, yeah. Anyways, like, um, like I said, you know, the Sigmund Freud bot, my least favorite part of the movie. Otherwise, I love it. It's, it's again, I've seen kinkier shit at BDSM clubs, but at least it was consensual. Um, <laughs> and you know. Less deadly, I presume. Again, consensual. Hopefully. Um, so, <laughs> so what I'm trying to say here is I do not mind when Lupin goes the direction of the political um, intrigue, mainly because I could see it work. And it's, and it's been done a lot in the series, albeit with a little bit less gritty realism. I feel like mm-hmm. this has been a little bit more in the gritty, this episode that we're talking about today has been more in the line of gritty realism than say the Padar episode. And I'm not saying that the, that the Padar episode didn't have any sense of reality. It totally mm-hmm. did, especially with America getting their nose. Like, uh, I'm so sorry to be, I'm so sorry to be the liberal hippie here, but America digging their nose in where they doesn't fucking belong. Um, but what I'm, what I am trying to get here is, the gritty realism has led to even more gritty realism because of the deep fakes. And this is really interesting. And if you guys do want, I could post the videos on my, um, on my Twitter when the episode premieres. But when we talked with Ian last week over um, a lot of the technology that has been used over the years in Lupin the third, how some of it has been a little bit like, Oh, that thing could never really happen. And then, you know, 30, 40 years later, we see it actually being being used in modern technology. I'm not saying it's prophetic by any means necessary. It's just that they're not far off from what what kind of technology would be viable for criminals, let alone for law enforcement. Um, there's been some really good doc, um, insight videos about deep fakes and just how like the technology behind them is really kind of scary because it all comes down to facial recognition. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Lupin, we've seen so many instances of facial recognition. We even saw it in last week's episode where, like, this, this system that um, Lynn had created could recognize who Lupin was even through a disguise. Like, we are not that far off from that right now. The fact that law enforcement could literally identify you with just a photo and could and literally could go to a database and google your photo to find your social medias and to find other things about you is the reality we are living in Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i want to say thank you lupon or no lupon for (laughs) showing that in an episode today because the reality is already here Mm -hmm. it's scary and i don't like it it's spoopy you know, as far as this franchise introducing things or technologies that become reality, personally, I cannot wait to see NASA launch a popcorn-powered rocket. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's got to happen one day. It's coming soon. <laughs> yes. 
you know, I mean, you know, time has told so far that, <laughs> you know, it's got to happen eventually. Hey, when that day comes, we're going to be blaring classical music on our popcorn shooting doom buggies. <laughs> all right. So it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a day, man. Uh, I, I now want popcorn shooting dune buggy to be my band name. <laughs> or, good, or at least our first name. album. Indeed. Indeed. And I'm, uh, I guess, like, the incorporation of the deep fake thing, like, is a really intriguing, like, like it's, it's, it's really current. It is very freaky. I will admit, mm-hmm. when it comes to the stakes of the deep fakes, I am more worried about poor Zanagata and, and Lupin everyone being framed with a deep fake because, like, it's like, you know, obviously, like, a big dramatic hinge was Hazel being framed by the deep fakes. But at the same time, again, like, you're a big wig politician. Boo-hoo. Go cry into your stacks of money. Sorry. I'm worried about I'm worried about the Lupin gang and Zenigata. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost here. Sorry. I'm going to pick on the politician in the episode. <laughs> that's that's just know, how it goes. Now that I think about it. I do think it's interesting how the whole thing with, you know, Congresswoman Hazel was pretty, you know, quick, you know, pretty cut and dry. It's like, you know, it was, it was all resolved fairly quickly. But now I think about that was most likely all just, you know, set up, mm-hmm. yep. you know, for next or for, yep. this week, for this week's episode. It's like, so, you know, I can, I can live with that. Yeah. Well, my my thing that I that I did like about Hazel, how she is developed is very much, you know, they were the writers knew how to develop a, a political, a politician, political character, a politician mm-hmm. in the sense that like, you see that she does have these aspirations to take care of our country, but you often wonder, are they just political promises or are they just, you know, real gripes that she has? Mm-hmm. And even then it wouldn't surprise me in, in the, in earnest that she was, she would have been trained by Tomoe. Like, I don't think Tomoe was like, above anyone in terms of Mm -hmm. like yeah i'll teach you how to be a master thief but i'll also teach you how to be a cunning politician because as much as we like to think that politicians have uh at least the the naive among us we like to think that politicians have our best interests at heart they really don't and um (laughs) (laughs) none of them sorry sorry (laughs) Sorry, kids even barack obama had sins and boy can i tell you (laughs) and i voted for him twice anyways (laughs) what i'm trying to say here is politicians are not one-dimensional um and a lot of politicians are very much you know like they they do their own means they they their own means justifying their own ends. I actually have a really good book that I recommend. It's called um, The Dictator's Handbook. Um, for anyone who's ever intrigued on how, what it really takes to run a company, a country, um, you name it, like read this book and you'll see why, <laughs> why the, these people do what they do and why like they look out more for themselves and their advancements than they do for your own the people who sort of have the handles on the keys. But as for Hazel in general, I do like how as you learn more about her, she does seem very genuine mm-hmm. up until up until her agreement with Lupin ends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because then she's genuinely dead. Mm-hmm. Well, aside from that... <laughs> 
Yeah, I think so, because, like, again, I'm, I'm trying to remember the episode, just recently watched it. She does get, like, very pragmatic once that agreement mm-hmm. ends. And, like, yeah, no, you, you got a point, because, like, it, it's, it's, and again, it, it makes me wonder what's going on with Hazel, because, like, on one hand, I always have to remind myself, like Chris mentioned earlier, this is all set up for the second part of the two-parter. And, like, you've got Hazel suddenly going really cold and then dying. And I just, it, for some reason, especially on going Rewatch, I kept thinking... Going cold in more thinking, than one way. Ah! <laughs> but I'm just, I, I mean, let's be real. What's, what's one less politician? Am I right? <laughs> am I right? Am I right? <laughs> oh, snap. But also, yes. Um, but but, but it, in all, like, sincerity, like... I kept thinking about that quote from the first two episodes of the arc, which, which, you know, they really hammered in those two episodes. Sincerity or politicians? <laughs> Perish the thought. Um, but um, the, 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 the quote, like, the thing I kept thinking of, it was specifically from the second episode in this arc was Tomoe's, you know, you know, it, 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 oh, I forget the exact quote, but you know, having not double but triple measures at all times. I wonder if there is a bit more to Hazel than meets the eye. Than meets the eye, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, same She's with Transformer. Well, oh, same shit. with Matea. Like, <laughs> why the fuck is she in this country while Lupin is there? I have a feeling that she's connected to Tomoe as well. Yep. Like, she ain't there just to have fucking gyros, and it's called gyros, not tacos. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still... I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not upset at all. No. You're doing no, good no, there. No. Anyways. Okay. Yes, I, I, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. <laughs> okay, aside from my own personal joke, yeah, Matea's not there to just have falafel, gyros, tacos, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, kebab. She's not just there to hang out with Lupin and be all adorable. That bitch got something heinous up her sleeve. <laughs> I, I I'm really curious to see where, where they're gonna go with her because she is gonna fa- because getting like if she was just a one off like flower girl thing she would have been done after the hospital visit her yeah. showing up in the same country at the same time like where where is this going is she this family member that like because obviously we assume from one one of the big revelations that uh, Hazel reveals to Lupin is that Tomoe mentioned having like a genuine child, not just like, you know, I, I consider all my people as my children, like an actual child. Obviously we assume Lupin, but it would be interesting if somehow, like, I doubt it's Hazel considering, not Hazel, I doubt it's Matea considering her age, but like Matea could be like, you know, the granddaughter of Tomoe, like possibly, like for all we know where this could be going. Like, I don't know. It, it, again, the, the way this episode ends, it opens, it, it opens the door to many possibilities. Exactly. And like wh- where it like started to kind of like, not, it didn't lose me, but like where I was kind of like not quite as intrigued with the super realistic, you know, political intrigue thing. It, 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 it sealed the deal for me, like in the last 15 to 10 minutes, because mm-hmm. again, this story is going some interesting places. We, 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 we've still got like a good number to go. I, I, I want to know where this whole deal with Tomoe is going. It's still genuinely intriguing. I'm still here for it. All I know is that the ending really did leave us on a good cliffhanger because mm-hmm. Zenigata has been more action Zenigata than bumbling Zenigata, especially in this episode, and I'm all Heck here yeah. for it. And for him to now be arrested on suspicion of murder 
is completely out of left field but mm-hmm. it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting take because now he's gonna have to cool off does this mean yada yada lady are gonna like actually do something for once and maybe lupon helps them like i know i know for a fact lupon will try to find a way to exonerate zenigata because oh, yeah. he knows for a fact as well that zenigata didn't do shit so mm-hmm. That opens the door for some fun stuff. They should have just edited. They should have just ended this episode with oh. executive producer Dick Wolf. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> <Don't, don't. laughs> yeah, just like dun dun. Zenigata gets arrested. Oh no, Psh, dun dun. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Sorry, I like Law and Order. Leave me alone. Hey, no, no shame in that. Hmm. Um, dun, I guess dun, we, dun, we haven't dun, talked. Dun. We haven't talked a lot about. Uh, Lupin and Matea's adventures in what was the country? It's a fictional country. What was it? Co- Covacado or something? Covacado. <laughs> Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I will. I will say this. It sounded like um, because I have a fictional country. I went the Tom Clancy route in one of the stories for my Lupin story, and it, my my false country that I made up um starts with a C and it and it ends with an auto. So that's what it kind of sounded like to me. They're reading your fan fiction again. I, I, I at this point maybe, but this part I don't think so because all they needed because this is. Because for the fictional story, for the fictional country and that storyline, that's where Lupin's dad comes in. So Ooh. I don't think so. Unless they do bring in Lupin's dad, then oh, I'm going to sue for copyright. <laughs> it is time to pursue legal action. I'll be like Addison Kane up in here. <laughs> only, only more lawyers and less wolf fucking. <laughs> if i don't ask them omegaverse lawsuit just look it up chris oh okay Never mind. oh all right <laughs> sorry sorry i didn't or i did again I, I gotta hand it to both uh shigeru morikoshi and ian for a the original great script and the great translation because the back and forth between uh lupon and mateo was great in certain places like when 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 i'm not when... i'm not really feeling daddy <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm not really feeling daddy was great um the bit when uh it's the day after lupon was caught at hazel's and there's that whole scandal and he's just like i'm just saying like i was there to use the bathroom nothing for it no, nothing more she's like yeah sure thing liar <laughs> it's just it's it's such like a quick cutting comment it, it was a great little banter between them which, which i thought was really nice i also like how i also like how matea refers to uh you know lupon in the skies as her what was it her much older brother yep. yeah <laughs> it's like it's, it's like the inclusion of much in there i i liked and and lupon compounds on that where he's like yes i have her brother who was born you know way earlier <laughs> <laughs> right i mean it could happen It'd my mom keeps telling me do you want a little brother or sister and it's like i'm 31 years old <laughs> <laughs> but that again, little brother or sister could be my kid <laughs> like like you're mentioning right now that could be like the connection because obviously lupin's student of toame all of her pupils are her children but it'd be very interesting if like you know 
Matea is actually related. So like, on, you know, on one hand, they are like kind of it's, 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 it's a little family dynamic because I, I also appreciate that. I think I don't even think oh now granted this because my memory is terrible and it's been a while like there there has even been like jokes about them being like romantically involved except like like there there was no. one joke when Lupin was like in the old man makeup or something where he was like nah nah I've like you know I've got my wife which you know after part five you know thank God like <laughs> it's kind of nice to not have weird jokes about like oh look at you and this young thing <laughs> it's kind of I'm glad we've avoided this pitfall so far. I hope we maintain this. Well, see, you know, I do think that is one, like, I know I always harp on this franchise for going back to Cagliostro, but I think it's actually a good thing in this case Mm -hmm. because, you know, that was always, you know, part of Miyazaki's vision for the character in that movie is that Lupin doesn't feel anything romantic or sexual towards Clarice because he still sees her as being the little girl that saved his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that part five kind of brought over. And then I do like how part six is doing it as well. Yeah. You know, by showing Lupin being taking on like a more fatherly or, you know, familial role with these young women. No, agreed. And it just, you know, it, it just further, uh, you know, cements the idea that, you know, Lupin in these, in these series is older and somewhat wiser and somewhat more mature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Again, like I said, I gave this I gave this franchise a lot of shit for going back to Cagliostro well, but I'm okay with it in this case. No, 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 no like, 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 fully agreed. Like, I, I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm just glad that they are not reverting. It's development. It, wow. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm just glad they're not pulling the same thing Part Five did, while, where they like tried to have their cake and eat it too, where they tried to have him be protected, but at the same time, they're also like having Ami oh, yeah. be like, you know, feel, like. All those, like, all those leering shots, ever. Yes. Yeah. All, all the leering yeah, shots. All the like. I, I think, I think we can have sex. It's like, no, thank. Like, I'm glad that's the no, honey, no, in part no. Like, it's like, oh no, honey. I very no. much appreciate Lupin and Matea's relationship so far. It, 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 it's right. nice. It's wholesome. It's good. Which you know, going back to the whole thing with Ami, I just, you know, I'd say that goes back as far as part three. Yeah. With uh, what's it? The second episode. Mm-hmm. With that uh, teenage girl who has a massive crush on Lupin, and mm-hmm. he's doing everything he can to get her to quit it, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where I remember Jigen saying, "You need to have like a neon sign on your back that says adults only." <laughs> 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 and I know Lupin says something along the lines of, "It was like, what you think I want this?" <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. I made a line where um, I did this funny storyline with Katie. Where for some reason, my Lupin the Fourth characters, um, like at the cusp of adulthood, so like 16, 17, meet their parents at a different age, like some kind of like time machine warp fun thing or whatever. And um, for some reason, Lupin's daughter keeps thinking, uh, dad won't stop leering at me. And he's like, no, I'm just telling you, I don't go, I don't go for girls who just abandon their dolls. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm (laughs) like, Because let's face it, Lupin, ew. <laughs> <laughs> ew. Which, you know, feel free to cut this part out because it's not entirely relevant. But what you just said, Natalie, reminds me of a bit in, uh, I think, Mortal Kombat 11. If you have uh, Johnny Cage up against Cassie Cage, and uh, Johnny will start the fight sometimes by saying, like, hey, good looking, what's, what's cooking? Cassie's like, no, dad, ew. 
Ew. Wait, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. That came out wrong. That's what I meant. <laughs> God, the character writing that game was so good. Let's anyway. see. Trying to think of anything revolving around Lupin and Matei thing. Yeah, I... We, we've talked about it before and like, it's still something I abide by, but I'm also, this is the first time that actually kind of stood out to me where like, I don't want to rag too much on the animation of part six, considering the conditions it was made in and everything. However, and I'm asking this, you know, respectfully, not in like a mean way, but like, what was the point of the skateboard scene in the episode? Like it, like even plot wise, because like you got, it was set up really nice with the skateboard kids in the beginning. And like, you know, Lupin gets skateboard is a cute moment where he like gives him like the scarf. And he's like, I'll bring it right back. Like, you know, that was kind of wholesome. But then he Samba Temperado starts playing and he picks up Matea. And by the time, like right. by the time this whole cycle happens, like Samba Temperado's like halfway through playing and nothing's happened exciting yet. And I'm kind of like, all right, when are we yeah. going to get going? And so then they chase after the car that's already been gone for a long time. And he crashes into a bush and then we just go to another scene and you're just kind of like, what? Yeah. I, I like, you know, it's I not the animation. That, it's like, what was the purpose of that? Cause nothing happened. I wonder if that could possibly be like a relic of like an earlier draft of the episode. Possibly. Could have been. I mean, it, it, it yeah. was kind of cool, but at the same time, it was just like, mm, I, I feel like I've seen it in mm-hmm. detective Conan. I feel like this might've been the first time I saw Lupin use a skateboard. I could be wrong. Um, what about, uh, Oh, hold on. Blood Seal, Eternal Mermaid. Oh yeah, but I didn't really enjoy yeah. Blood Seal of the Eternal Mermaid. So that's a good one. Thieves are cool. No, thieves aren't cool. Lupin the Third is cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's another example of a little girl who wouldn't stop following Lupin. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I, I really don't remember much about Blood Seal, but that's the one thing I do remember. Thieves are um, cool. Lupin again, it was cool. A, it was a special I didn't really enjoy. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just it just didn't stick with me. Me neither. That's what I'm saying. Watched it's it once. Me. Didn't feel like the need to. <laughs> didn't feel the need to watch it again. The only thing I did watch was the was the interview the interview extras that they had for the discotheque release. But that's a that's a whole different other thing. It was it was it, it and another page were like the last two good specials before um, Princess of the Breeze killed the TV specials until Goodbye Partner. Which almost started to t- kill the TV specials again until Prison of the Past. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, like, and, and and it's not even like anything particular, particularly humorous happened in it, except for them like falling into a bush. Like for a second, it was just kind of like you know, hi, I'm Lupin. Welcome, to, you know, hi, I'm Lupin. This welcome to Jackass. Slides down the rail and then goes straight <laughs> to a bush. So like, I mean, I mean, it's like. It's it's like I see what they were going for, mm-hmm. and there was potential there. It's just, yeah, you know, it was like you said, like there was no real story reason for it to happen. And then with the animation being as stiff as it was, you know, it wasn't nearly as funny or as exciting as mm-hmm. you know it was being set up to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it had potential, but apparently not enough budget. Oh, it's, it's just for something like that. I found a lot more humor in the dialogue than I did in any like attempts at. Yeah, action yeah, or like physical comedy as you know kind of chris mentioned earlier during his you know initial reaction the the the, the, the humor is really like apparent in the writing and not as much yeah anything else in the episode it, that that's fair and I, I i guess that was another thing like contributed like to the fact that 
I wish it was cartoonier, but you know, I like that they're trying something mm-hmm. different. But Again, anyway. I don't mind the Tom Clancy Lupin so long as it's done right. So, mm-hmm. and I've and I've written a Tom Clancy Lupin. Oh yeah. Um, that was, but it wasn't like the core emotional storyline, which had something similar to the Tomoe um, storyline, but it was more about Lupin trying to figure out himself along with his sister and Albert. And, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to defeat his dad because his dad's a piece of shit and his own Lupin the Second Crew is kind of badass. And it's not because I have his going on an Indian guy that looks like Shah Rukh Khan. But anyways, (laughs) but I see Um, even from the little bit you're just telling me there, like like that, that that sounds like so much more like dynamic and exciting because like because like it has that (laughs) intrigue thing, but like you still got like a lot of moving pieces Whereas this one's mm-hmm. like two moving pieces and like, it's interesting enough. And like, and, and I agree. Like I, I don't fully, I don't fully dislike when it goes like full Tom Clancy or like, like, you know, thriller mode. Cause you no, know, I, I really like, um, boys to danger, which kind of like, that's not really yeah, political. Was the Tom Clancy? No, it's, it's, it's not political, I mean, but it has it that Tom a- Clancy vibe to it though. Cause like submarine, subterfuge, like, you know, underground well, criminals and it's stuff. A, then it got up with the apron. But it's a yeah, commentary, it's a commentary on post-Cold War um, mm-hmm. Russia, what it is. Yeah. Along with the threat, along with the th- the still present threat of nuclear war, and mm-hmm. you know, not to throw some beans out there, but currently right now, um, unless you, you live under a rock, and I say this as a historian, if you know what's currently going on in the political scope and then, and then the world scope in Europe between America and Russia, like Voyage to Danger um, and the year it came out, you know, it, it showed us the ever-present threat that is nuclear mm-hmm. war. And, you know, I have a father who grew up in the 50s, who grew up with, um, you know, like duck and cover in schools, and he's telling me that this whole threat of nuclear war, like it's starting to become a little bit more worrisome right now at the age he's in because of the current political climate. And it's like, mm-hmm. ouch. And oh, yeah. again, whether whether or not, like what I'm trying to say here in this final thought is whether or not you want your politics, you want politics out of your sports games or your TV shows or your video games is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. These are all platforms. These are all methods to tell a story. Yes, even sports games. Again, I'm still still hyped up from the Super Bowl yesterday. And and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on whom, whom you are, it is going to land in them. And they will make commentaries on whether it happened 10, 15, 50, or 80 years ago to today. So Lupin handling that, I'm okay with. I admit it could could have been done a little bit more, a little bit better with this episode, but I am looking forward to the conclusion of Law and Order Zenigata next episode. So, oh yeah, and yeah, totally. Like it, I I I really love Lupin like tackling like political issues and like making some biting commentary and all that. Like like like, like I enjoyed a lot and like I've never really seen anyone get upset at Lupin getting too political and if they did that would be hilarious because the entire franchise uh, <laughs> the well it speaks more to general. them than it does to Lupin yeah 
but like I, I get the, the the thing with me in particular, like it's personal preference. It's like I, I I'm not as big on the stakes or the setting being as super real world because I I, I like my mm-hmm. Lupin to have like my fantastical element to it because like Voice to Danger has some great commentary on post Cold War tensions and everything, but at the same time you also got this big <laughs> hilariously macho eighties hitman keith chasing after him mm-hmm. while they're in the midst of like looking like the bizarro fabio <laughs> what he did and, and like no you're right and they've got like um that what are they stealing in that special because like they got the submarine but there's that Our moment when they got like those they've got like those nuclear components that they dig out those like tracks for to like roll out onto their submarine, which is like a great like like over the top scene. I always just like a little element of the fantastical and like you know kind of I don't want to say theatrical, but but I like my Lupin like to have its social commentary, but also to remember to be like fun and over the top wacky. at the same time, wacky. Like like again like like Mamo dead or alive. Um, like you don't mind the nuclear the nuclear parts in Mamo so long as the giant brain still comes out. Exactly, but well, also like, hundred percent agree because like having the backdrop of you know giant brains, weird little gray clone men, all that's like stuff is great. But even like, it's possible to screw the kind of thing up too and look at Green versus Red. You know the whole, you yep. know the whole commentary about about nuclear weapons. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah, where like, did the mech come from? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm more okay with that. It's just, it's just like the whole commentary about nuclear warfare. It's like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? And you know what? You're, you're touching on like something that I think might be an issue. I have. It might be like the core of my issue, where it's like again. I, I, I don't mind that political commentary at all. Like it's always usually handled really well, but if it's going to be handled, I'd like it to be, you know, somewhat have an element of the fantastical, but still make biting commentary. But also it needs to mean something ultimately. And like, whereas in green versus red, like what that does, well, green versus red doesn't mean anything, but I mean, um, uh, but like <laughs> what, purpose does that there's serve a few, there's a few seconds of green versus red that mean the world to me but the monkey aside punch. from that <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, that rooftop battle holy shit man but like it's been 15 years and it still blows my mind because like the, the, they're trying to make a commentary but it's so half-hearted and so irrelevant exactly whereas like in mamo you know exactly what's going on you're like you know <laughs> Right. It's 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 as Natalie mentioned, and same with the Padar arc. Even though that was weird, where like Lupin makes the commentary, like obviously the U.S. doing what it usually does and getting involved with shit it shouldn't be involved with. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. but also having that we weird can say thing. that we're Americans, exactly. But also having the weird CIA dude have the weird romance with the princess where it's like, he's the one good CIA guy. It's like, that that doesn't exist. That uh, does <laughs> not exist. Meet the Fockers talk, tackled this already too, honey. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, I just wanted to have, and maybe it does have meaning, but like this whole thing with Hazel and like the conflict of like her wanting to mine the diamonds like what is that ultimately going 
to mean is is a and maybe it will like is there going to be a resolve for her character where like maybe she like issues like you know her political party because obviously they've they're they've got it out to get her like maybe she like i don't don't know like i I hope it actually serves a purpose and means something because right now it's just here's the politician deep fakes they're they're trying to like you know undermine her and i just don't know what the purpose is if that makes any sense i'm still trying to figure out my thoughts about it like all i know is just the real world stakes don't appeal to me as much but i do appreciate them like as the fictional world stakes exactly it's it's just a little it's a little it's a little pedestrian where it's like okay it's 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 like i i can read about this on msnbc right now because this is probably happening somewhere (laughs) like when I watch Lupin, I like it to be a bit of an escape where like, like, yes, there's a politician and, and there's deep fakes being made, but they're trying to make deep fakes because the other, the, the, in their party is some like dude they've been keeping alive for the past, you know, five decades, <laughs> like in cryogenic sleep. Who's like this evil, like, you know, dictator. It's like, the, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would be down for that. <laughs> But I also don't want to disparage anyone who does enjoy it because it's not bad. It's really not like, like, like I appreciate them kind of stepping outside the box and trying something new, but it's just a little, it's a little vanilla for me. As far as that regard goes, I still like the episode. I don't want to sound like I'm being too harsh on it because I actually did like it. There's just that one aspect where I'm like, I liked it, but I didn't love it because like when this arc started, we had, I, I really enjoyed like, you know, Lupin facing off with a thief that's just as good as he is. And they're doing, you know, they're they're they're, they're you know, like undercutting each other, their one upmanship over and over. And then we go from that to here's a politician and she's her political career is in trouble. Isn't that exciting? And I'm like, I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that uh, part of the issue might be that this episode had a hard act to follow? Yes, I I very much think it is because like yeah. we, we we went from some like wonderfully old school episodes, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, let's be honest here. After I don't want to say last week because both of these episodes were last week, but you know, after uh, you know the previous you know episode, I don't think there's really anything they could have done to top that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because that episode is like that half hour was everything I've wanted in this series. Mm-hmm. As soon as it was announced, and so yeah, I feel like no matter no matter what ep, no matter what episode eighteen would have been, it would have been kind of hard to compete with that. But I do oh, like yeah. how they didn't really totally. try. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is quite different in tone, mm-hmm. style, and quality. But but yeah, I mean, I I yeah yeah I, I do agree with you. It's it's not bad at all. I I enjoyed it mm-hmm. myself personally. I like the way the story is going. I just feel like some of the other elements. Like a uh, you know the animation, the attempt at slapstick, um, the whole thing with Yada and Artie. It's yeah, those don't quite work for me, but I'm still on board for the rest of the story. I'm, oh yeah, I'm still excited to see where it goes. Oh yeah, same here. That's one hell of a cliffhanger, man. It it is again like one that cliffhanger, cliffhanger was like <laughs> it sealed the deal. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, that was so great. I feel like most of the episode got better towards the end with the cliffhanger, but again, mm-hmm. you'll only understand the cliffhanger. Have you watched the whole episode? So honestly, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to 
how this um, cliffhanger gets resolved. Again, mm-hmm. my predictions or what I'm hoping to see would probably be like action Yada and Yada Lady. Ari, yeah. I'll just start calling her Adi. Maybe they're doing something to exonerate Zenigata with the help of Lupin, because again, Lupin would totally help exonerate Zenigata. And then what is the conclusion? How more political are we getting? And my other prediction is that this specific mine that Hazel was trying to mine from um, is probably where Lupin got that jewel for his family collection in the first place. Oh, I never thought about that. I just literally pinpointed that. No, you kept mentioning the mine and I kept pinpointing something in my head just pinpointed it. So I'm not the greatest detective in the world. I'm more like Nancy Drew, but in a bad way. So we'll see. (laughs) I'm the shitty Nancy Drew, let's be real. <laughs> so I guess that does conclude it for us, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. what's, it, what do you think? I, th- that, that, I, I, think, I think so. Really like, w- w- since this is a fir- like, you know, a part one, there's only so much that like, uh, that's another reason I don't want to be too hard on it. Because like, for all we know, this thing could take some like turns because the next episode preview was very vague. It's just, you know, hey, Zenigata's is in trouble, but, you know, how are we going to get him out? What's going on with Hazel? So, again, I'm all in. This is way better than anything that happened in the Lupin versus Holmes arc. I, I'll take this over any of that. So, I'm on board. Yeah, the intrigue is, is a little bit more appealing, I feel. Mm-hmm. So, I am looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Also, I forgot, uh, I forgot to tell you guys this earlier, but... We actually have a very, very special guest coming to t- coming on to this episode. It appears to be Lupin III himself, still in the sky. Oh, I just will. Never mind. Ah, shit. <laughs> I mean, I was excited for a second. Yeah, I mean, me too. I'm, but it's- I mean that fondly, of course. Hello again, Lupontic folks. We're back on reviewing Lupin the Third Part 6. And I must say, after three just-above-average episodes that were often too derivative for their own good, we finally return to the Tomoe arc with episode 18. Since this is technically the first half of a two-parter, there is a risk in judging episode 18 on its own. But hey, this is a weekly podcast, and sometimes decisions must be made. We start in the same American city as in episode 13, and Matya is back at her flower shop. Lupin pays her a visit while in disguise, and learns that she is going on holiday with some friends. Later at home, while playfully bantering with Jigen and Goemong, Lupin sees an article on Hazel from the country of Kotornika. That article mentions Hazel's mysterious mentor, who was none other than Tomoe. Lupin obviously decides to go see Hazel and try to get to the bottom of it. While disguised as his best cosplay of myself, Lupin stumbles upon Matya and they reunite for very funny and cute moments throughout the episode. Let's focus on Matya for a moment. She really turned out to be a very enjoyable character. Funny, sweet, playful, but also empowered by an inner strength that even Lupin acknowledges. Their relationship closer to one of siblings rather than lovers, is very endearing and quite refreshing. Matya's sometimes cryptic words and the fact that she probably followed Lupin to Kotornika 
imply that he has a much bigger role in the whole Tomoe case. Let us not forget that the same article about Hazel and Tomoe was shown in Matias Flower Shop first. Many fans have theorized that she was either Tomoe under a disguise or one of Tomoe's protégés. I lean more towards the latter hypothesis since we actually see Tomoe's aged hand in episode 13 while Matya was on the street. My own hypothesis is that not only is she Tomoe's newest protégé, but that she was charged with watching over Lupin and report his moves. Matya comparing Lupin to an older brother might confirm that reading since Tomoe considers each other pupils like her own children. More on that later. We then follow Hazel and her current political trials. A woman's status in the still male-dominated political circus is a tough one, and while she is definitely more of a Theresa May than an Angela Merkel, her populist rhetoric does serve a conviction to help a country. A country that seems to be on the brink of implosion, like so many countries in the Middle East and Asia Minor. I am pleasantly surprised by this rather nuanced portrayal of politics, showing that both Hazel and her opposing party make valid points in regard to the rare mineral extraction. But our affection truly sits with Hazel, who, when she is not being asked by Lupin about Tomoe, is victim of deep fake blackmail. Remember when TMS promised us Lupin and the gang would be confronted to the dangerous world of today? Well, it finally delivers now! I know I am not a majority here, but I really love the way these current issues were used in this episode. I think we tend to forget that the Lupin franchise regularly tackled contemporary aspects to some levels. Mystery of Mamo and the Fujiko series had the Cold War, Voyage to Danger had arms dealers, Dead or Alive had nanomachines, Part 4 explored Italian corruption in sports and politics, and of course Part 5 focused on how modern technologies would create a global police state. Of course, the Lupin the Third franchise is very comedic and parodic in tone, but it is also a show about criminals and the underworld, with a hero that walks a fine line between light and shadow. Here, the episode uses deepfakes like any other criminal tool, and the political context helps setting a dangerous environment. These elements are not weighting the story down, they serve it. As long as the characters remain true to their core, why can't the Lupin franchise do something different from the usually silly capers from time to time? We had three very classic episodes. I, for one, needed the change. My hypothesis is that most of us watched older Lupin the Third series and movies when the political situation had already changed, and so we were less emotionally connected to these elements while now we are living through the same events as our protagonists. And maybe to some that's too close for comfort, but if I might express a personal opinion, escapism has its limits. Back to the story. Lupin and Hazel make a deal. He helps her with the blackmail and she will tell her more about Tomoe. While this happens, Zenigata, Yata and Aliana split up. Pops will tail on Hazel while Yata and Aliana will dig deeper in the rare mineral subplot. Heh, <laughs> digging. 
Their search brings them to the same restaurant where Martia and Lupin were eating, which makes for a funny and cute double date moment. Speaking of restaurant, this episode taking place in a turkey-like country, we see a lot of kebabs. And as a starving student, I feel very represented. Turns out Hazel's jealous colleague was behind the deepfakes, hiring a bunch of goons and paparazzis for his dirty work. Lupin comically disposes of them and destroys the damning documents. Back to Hazel's place, Lupin learns from her that Tomoe apparently had an actual biological child. After promising never to return, Lupin leaves for the airport where he sees Matya before taking the plane, thinking about the possibility that maybe, just maybe, himself could be Tomoe's biological child. Meanwhile, Hazel gets shot. Zenigata arrives to the rescue, but apparently too late, and the local police arrest him as a suspect. And it ends here, on a tense cliffhanger! The franchise rarely has dramatic deaths of female characters, at least deaths that do not feel cheap or telegraphed. Here, Hazel's probable demise is a gut punch, as we were attached to her. At least I was. It is also rare for the franchise to leave us hanging on such a dramatic turn. The cliffhanger reminds us of the fact that this is a two-parter, and while the deepfake problematic has been resolved, everything is set up for Lupin to come back and free Zenigata. Gosh, where to begin? I loved everything in this episode. How we go back to the new arc, the setting, the stakes... It felt a bit like a Golgo 13 story, but with cute character moments, and the feeling that, for once, our characters might be in actual danger. The series format has the opportunity to try multiple types of stories, and I am glad that episode 18 strays a bit from the formula while being 100% Lupin III. Before we wrap up, let's focus on our female characters some more. Let's start with Matya. Between the newspaper article at the flower shop, her all-too-convenient presence in the same country as Lupin, her saying that Lupin is more like a brother to her, all of it not only implies that she is part of Tomoe's protégés, but Hazel's demise right after she told Lupin a secret about Tomoe does make me raise a suspicious eyebrow. Could it be that Matya is less well-intentioned than she leads out to be? Could she be Lupin's sister? Many questions that will hopefully be answered by the end of the arc. I do admit that her turning out to be a villain would be both heartbreaking and a good twist, what with her innocent Clara's good looks. But for now, I do not favour that hypothesis. We will need more evidence, my amateur sleuths. As for Hazel, she truly shows the sad truth that women often have to become overachievers to even attempt a career at politics, and even after they enter the circus, their sole presence will harbour jealousy or disrespect. Believe me, my aunt is a politician. Hazel was not depicted as an ally or a good person, but definitely an interesting and rather nuanced portrayal of a lady character, and I want more of that. Plus, her name did give me a bit of a chuckle, because I kept thinking about Hazel the Witch from Looney Tunes. <laughs> Wait, witch? Did I say witch? 
Considering Mercedes' gang was called Elvira in reference of a woman accused of witchcraft by the Spanish Inquisition, and that the current arc is called Witch vs. Gentleman, could it be that the female characters are all named in relation to witch-like characters? Then what does that make Matia? Perhaps an equivalent to Medea, the enchantress from ancient Greece who guided Jason to the Golden Fleece, like Matia is guiding Lupin to Tomoe. Speaking of Tomoe, and thanks to my co-host Natalie's diligent research, I learned that Tomoe is a type of coma in the Japanese language linked with Shintoism. It can be written and drawn in a variety of ways, but most Tomoe emblems look vaguely like sickles forming a wheel. Japanese linguistics are not my forte, and I do not want to stray away from our main topic too much, but suffice to say that the Tomoe symbol is associated with Hachiman, god of war, and archery. As for Tomoe as a name, it dates back to the Heian period with Tomoe Gozen, a lady of high rank and warrior who contributed to the creation of the first shogunate. In festivals, Tomoe Gosen appears as the embodiment of feminine gallantry. So, Tomoe represents war, nobility, and a certain feminine ideal from history. All of these describe our own Tomoe pretty well. On top of that, the symbol is often associated with number three. The writers were well inspired when naming Lupin's mentor. That's all for me. Next time, we continue our trip to Kotonika and we'll see how Zenigata gets out of his mess. Until next time, stay safe, Lupantic folks. And remember, the world may be a tough place, but at least we have kebab. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbe, B-A-B-E-Y, on DeviantArt as ShinRedDeer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee at ShinRedDeer. Oh, I'm so sad to see him go. I'm, I, can someone just, like, pay for my ticket to go back to Switzerland? Because I do miss it out there. Screw America. Oh, wait. Wait, we're on the air? Oh, hi, hi, hi. I'm back. I'm Natalie, I'll, and I'll I don't just... hate America. Um, Hello, my FBI agent. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, I might be able to buy your ticket if I pull it from my Swiss bank account. <laughs> I didn't wow, know you had a Swiss bank account. <laughs> Allison, Natalie, don't be afraid. We're we're on the air. No, no. We suck. <laughs> we suck. We suck a lot. It's okay. I'm just waiting. I, I get, Day, everyone. <laughs> Again, I'm just waiting for my FBI agent to just like resign because of all the nasty shit he's heard me say, or she, or they. I don't discriminate. <laughs> Whoever it may be. And on that note, guys, um, let's see. Who is the first victim? Chris, where can we find you? Well, hopefully not lying on the floor in a puddle of blood. Um, Fair. You, know, uh, you can find yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Uh, you can find most other places at Amazing Chris Godby, that's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. Uh, you can find my webcomics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.thecomicstrip. It's called Draw O Coward. It should be, a, should be too hard to find. I really got to buy a, a domain name.
for that one. Anyway, Natalie, where can we find you? You can find me. I don't know. It depends if my FBI agent will allow me, you know, to release the records. Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Kathleen Helsing. So C-A-P-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. You can find me on Instagram at Captain Lee Helsing, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-H-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. I haven't posted much recently because I'm just like neck deep in my research for my master's degree right now. But when I'm not knee or neck deep in it, I post funny shit. Or at least I think I'm funny. <laughs> and Drew, where can we find you? Ah, well, hopefully you won't find me in a deep fake video uh, in the background while someone's being assassinated because, you know, that would be highly unfortunate. Um, But otherwise, you can find me. (laughs) Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. And you can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. And you can find us on Instagram at the same at. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. And you can listen to us on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you know, feel free to scroll on down. And if you see those, you know, the little five, little, you know, the little rating and review, there's a little slot there. We'll slot there with five stars in it. If you'd like to drag your mouse all the way over, you know, click that for the star. It'd be pretty groovy. Groovy? What is this, 1967? Uh. <laughs> 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 well, better than being in a uh, in a cabin in Tennessee in 1982, I suppose. Or 87, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, while you're checking out our social medias, feel free to... Uh, Check out our brand new logo design that is now all, all over our previous episodes from uh, uh, Jay. So really, you don't have much of a choice. Yeah, really. You're looking at it right now. It's, actually, it's pretty snazzy. Pretty snazzy. Most likely. It's really, it's really great. Um, thank you so much, Jay, if we haven't mentioned our love and appreciation for it because it is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say it's because it's it's wonderful. It's cool, fitting fit, fitting for fitting fitting for the monkey man himself. Uh, the monkey man listens to us on the down low. You know he does. Oh yeah, we know it. Of course, we have photographic proof. <laughs> <laughs> Jay caught him in the act and used him as a beautiful art subject. Oh, I hope it's applications. Okay, so, how do we stay away from that? <laughs> and on that note, guys. Um, if you haven't, you know, it's an interesting day today. Some of us are a little hopped up from the stupid crypto trailers from the Super Bowl or that oh amazing God. halftime show. That Ooh. halftime show was just like West Coast. But <laughs> today is a very special day. It's Valentine's Day. So it's not really a big deal holiday. But you know what? On behalf of us from here at the Sideburns and Cigarettes team, Happy Valentine's Day, Lupontic folks. Have a wonderful week. We love most of you guys. Just about, just about all of you. Uh, just about all of us. <laughs> just about all of you. Those, those of you, you don't, those of us that we don't, you know who you are. Thanks for listening anyway. We're looking at you, random person in the back. We're looking at you. <laughs> don't think I don't you know can your hide. name, but we're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
on Sabres and Cigarettes. A cop in jail? How poetic. Dear Zenigata, why should you go to jail for a crime someone else noticed? You don't need double talk. You need blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 no habla espanol. <laughs>